The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sky Dragon Slaying, where we bring you the truth on science and current affairs, the mainstream would rather you didn't know. I'm John O'Sullivan, CEO of Principia Scientific International. As usual, joining me is Canadian astrophysicist Joe Posma, and uh, we're very happy to have back again with us, Texan engine extraordinaire Joe Olson. Now, this is a two-hour special. Uh, the three of us, uh, stalwarts at Principia Scientific International, we spent the last 13 years or more exposing the man-made global warming fraud. Uh, a lot of people now are beginning to wake up. Uh, back when we began, it was very much a up, uphill battle. And uh, one of the things we always like to do is we welcome around these COP uh, conference of the parties, UN climate talks. And uh, you may have you may have caught the, re- the recent one. Uh, the recent one was COP28, conference of the parties, the UN governmental, its governmental panel on climate change. Uh, well, they, they met uh, in Dubai and um, it was a fiasco. Let's be honest about it. The media, mainstream media are not really you know, owning up to it, but right from day one, right from the very outset, the the, the president of the of the of, of the conference, Sultan Ahmed Al Jaber, he uh, <laughs> he kind of threw a spanner in the works because he he said that uh, there's no science whatsoever uh, backing up the claim that reducing hydrocarbon consumption is going to make any impact at all on meeting the target of 1.5 degrees centigrade uh, climate change rise now. We know that's hogwash, Joe, Joe and myself. We know this whole thing is premised on the junk science of the greenhouse gas theory. This nonsense idea that carbon dioxide, which literally is a trace gas, it's 0.04% of the atmosphere. Um, anybody who knows anything about uh, uh, biological science, know anything about plant horticulture, they'll tell you that... Uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, is plant food, it's fertilizer. If it goes below 250 parts per million, we're all dead. Um, currently, we're at uh, historic lows, apparently. I mean, anybody who knows geology will know that uh, 400 parts per million, which the alarmists say is very dangerous and putting us on a tipping point of uh, runaway global warming. I mean, the, the current phrase now is uh, climate boiling. Um, that's very, very low. Uh, Joe and Joe and I, we know full well that uh, if you look at greenhouse horticulturalists, they actually literally pump in CO2 into their greenhouses up to over well over a thousand parts per million. And that more than doubles plant growth. And um, another thing we pointed out in our illustrious uh, attempts to expose the lie is, is NASA, of all people, with their satellite data, they're verifying quite clearly that uh, there's a greening of the planet going on, 15% rise in uh, the, the greenery. Uh, for example, uh, the Sahara Desert, noted to be uh, barren, is now turning into a verdant uh, wonderland. You know, it's it's something that uh, it kind of confounds the narrative. Um, Joe and Joe, um, 13 years we've been at Principia Scientific. We've had our major fights and... Um, Joe Olson, can I come to you first? Um, let's just start off with the COP28 in Dubai. I mean, what was your making of, of that uh, absolute load of BS? Well, I thought Ahmed uh, 
Al-Jabbar absolutely nailed him when he said there's no proof that fossil fuels uh, cause any kind of uh, climate change. And he said, if you try to restrict them, we're all going to be living in caves. And that kind of pretty much got their attention. But it's what we've been saying for the last 13 years. And as far as a reference point, um, we were going to try to do a year in uh, retrospect. I think one of the most important articles we published in the last year is what is the Stokes shift? This was written at Edinburgh Instruments about a month before we posted it. And we posted it December 5th, 2022. And uh, you can find it online. And this is saying exactly what we said. This was presented to the Royal Society in 1852. And it's uh, on the change in refractability of light. And he said there's uh, that fluorescence appears to be universal and namely that it's refrangible inversely proportional to the wavelength what he's proven in 1852 was that anytime you have an absorption it's followed immediately in the case of a gas by an emission of a longer wavelength lower energy photon thereby reducing the amount of energy that comes to the surface of the earth and if you look at the google chart radiation transmitted by the atmosphere, which is a joke because the atmosphere doesn't transmit radiation. It only uh, absorbs and filters radiation coming from the sun and going away from the earth. But if you look at this, have a Planck's curve, which is the smooth curve at the top. 30% of the energy never makes it to the surface of the earth. That 30% is being caught in the atmosphere and re-radiated back into space. Yes, important point. And Joe Posma, you're a, an, an astrophysicist. You, you've had a, a good career uh, looking into space science. You've worked for the Canadian and Indian uh, space agencies. What, what's your take on this climate, climate de debacle? It's, it's just never ending, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've tried to simplify this as much as possible. You know, I met uh, the fellow's name was Hans Scheuter uh, very early on when you guys released your uh book uh, slaying the greenhouse gas theory um, and I met him just through the comment section on on Amazon reviews for that book and uh, yeah I thought you guys were making a really really excellent point uh, on the greenhouse questioning the greenhouse because after all that's the that's the source the, the greenhouse mm -hmm. effect is the basis of climate alarmism the whole anthropogenic climate change theory. So, mm. you know, anyone rational doing due diligence, well, where do you go? You go to the source, you go to the mechanism, you go to where it starts and where it follows from there. Because when you look at this debate, the problem is you look at this debate and you see <clears throat> people arguing all sorts of minutia. And especially they start arguing, is the difference, is the warming going to be one degree? And then some people get upset and say, no, no, the warming is going to be 1.5 degrees. And just, it just goes on forever. And you're like, with all this debating going on and no consensus, let's go back to first principles and do due diligence. Where does it start? It starts with this greenhouse idea. And so I've tried to simplify that, uh, you know, so I got on with you guys very early on. Yeah, like we said, it's been 13 years, uh, you know, and then, Principia Scientific International, that was your brainchild, I think, John, and uh, probably Joe's, and I, I was on with that very early on. I've tried to simplify this as, as much as possible and really do, to, do the due diligence, the first uh, principles due diligence. You know, there's basic thermodynamic principles in play here. Uh, our problem is that, well, it's just, it, it's hard to get coverage, isn't it? Because we, we face these gate gatekeepers. 
you know, we came in thinking, hey, this is an easy discussion to have. All we have to do is say that, you know, heat doesn't flow from cold to hot. That's a really simple thing that almost anyone can understand. And they don't right. want to have that debate. They won't have the no, debate no. at that simple of, of level. It's the strangest yeah. thing. Let me interrupt you there, because I think it's very important to convey to anybody who's a non-scientist exactly this bone of contention here about where heat flows. One of the things that you and I, myself and others noted, and again, let, let's be clear here, Principia Scientific is mostly applied scientists like your good self, Joe Olson, engineers, applied scientists. You know how the real world works. You're not enamored by these Computer models, again, gigo, garbage in, garbage out. What we noted is, is these academics genuinely believe that somehow energy, heat, can flow from cold to hot. And again, they have a ha habit of mangling the concept of heat and energy, don't they? Yeah, and the reference there, why we're saying heat flowing from cold to hot, why are we talking about that? Because they're saying that the cold atmosphere, the whole premise of the greenhouse effect in anthropogenic global warming is that the cold atmosphere is heating the warmer surface. And they do that because in their in their foundational pedagogy for, for teaching how the climate works, they literally they do this bungled up math, um, which basically is a result of, of you know, a flat earth energy accounting of, of how the sun falls on the earth. Anyway, it works out that you get that the sun cannot heat the earth in their model to any higher than minus 18 degrees Celsius. They, they think that the sun cannot create the climate. And so when they're confused in this position because they've bungled some math, and I mean, it sounds so silly because, oh yeah, sure, NASA's bungled the math. All these scientists have bungled the math. And I'm just telling you, I, I am a mainstream scientist. I've had a career in mainstream science and I've been turned into a pariah and kicked out of the field because I said, look, instead of doing flat earth math, you can do spherical earth math and it makes a difference because on flat earth math, you get that the sun can't create the climate because the sun is only minus 18 degrees Celsius where the heating. If you do spherical earth math, you get that the sun is actually really hot. And hey, if you go stand out inside in the summer, you can feel that the sun is really hot. And you know, you when you do the flat earth math then you have to get this result that the cold atmosphere heats up the warmer surface and that doesn't make sense because in fact the atmosphere is cold if you're standing outside in the cold atmosphere it cools you down it makes it cool the atmosphere is cooling down the warmer surface all the time with wind currents and convection it's cooling it's not warming and so these these are simple discussions to have they should be mm -hmm. but they won't be engaged and there's a real coordinated effort to 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 simply not address the science on that simple of 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 a level, and it, it's really the most strange, uh, the strangest thing that that I've ever encountered. I never imagined encountering something like this in my life. Um, I literally have other scientists, other PhDs from my uh, old university, the University of Calgary, people who are astrophysicists, and they tell me, "Joe, your criticism of flat Earth theory is the most ridiculous thing in the world." I'm like, "What do you mean? My criticism of flat Earth theory is the most ridiculous thing?" And they're like, they write me emails and they say, "We, I cannot express my the level of contempt I have for you and your comments on climate change with regards to flat Earth theory." And I'm just like, "I'm just saying that you can do spherical Earth math instead of flat Earth math, and it makes a difference in physics. Why does that engender such hatred?" And people have commented on this this feature, this strange psychological aspect of climate change theory, for decades now, um, there was this documentary in the, I think it was in the early 90s, um, called, uh, oh, what was that called? The Greenhouse Debunk? No, not, um, 
I'll, I'll look up the name of that. Anyway, the comment was from Pat Michaels. He was a very early skeptic, and he said, people just hate each other on this topic. People just hate each other on the topic of debating anthropogenic climate change. You know, if, if you're, you know, believing in, in that versus skeptical of it, the people just hate each other. And it's not really the skeptics. We didn't come in with hate, did we, John and Joe? Mm -hmm. I never came in with hate. I just came in saying, oh, hey, look, isn't it better to understand the climate uh, from the perspective that the sun is what creates it instead of saying that the cold atmosphere somehow generates heat when it's just a passive object? That's just a simple scientific discussion. But the level yeah, of hate yeah. that we get for it is is astounding. We made the point um, uh, recently. We had on our show uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf. And Naomi Wolf, um, for anybody who knows anything, darling of the left, great darling of the left, you know, best-selling author, you know, Yale graduate, Oxford University, PhD. Um, and she abandoned the left because she realized the hypocrisy that effectively that the science follows the policy, not the other way around. These uh, people with their agendas, they are not using science as a starting point. They are dovetailing the science. In fact, they they bastardize the science to fit their agenda. And it is cult. And um the interview you, you and I had with Naomi was quite revealing because she very much knew what uh, the, the fraud was with the COVID vaccines. She got that. And then we were trying to explain to her the correlation, you know, the idea, the methodology, the corruption of science, the peer-reviewed system, academia being in, in, in throw with all this. Um, you know, she is struggling to get her head around it. And uh, we <laughs> was quite entertaining when we said to her, she was quite shocked when we pointed out to her that the... Uh, the, the actual rise in, in temperatures over the last 120 years that, that nobody disputes, the UN, NASA, you know, every authority, whether you're a skeptic or an alarmist, everybody agrees that the actual rise in temperature over 120 years up till now is 1.1 degree. Now, and there's a margin of error in that, as you know, Joe, uh, due to the problems of taking records. You know, Stevenson screens have been used. Um, human error being what it is, and measurements from all around the world. Some people are not adept at doing it as others. So there is a margin of error of one degree. So <laughs> quite a, a rational person can see that the, you can actually uh, discount that one degree. And uh, again, natural variability being what it is, we know full well with geological context that uh, 12,000 years ago, where you live, Joe, where I live, in North, you're in North America, I'm in the UK, we were under one mile deep of ice. Um, we've had constant uh, you know, gl glacial retreat. The glaciers have been retreating, sea levels have been rising. And again, over that period, sea levels have risen by two millimetres. And another thing is, there's no correlation whatsoever between CO2 rise and temperature. Again, again, what do we have to do? How much do we need to show before people wake up and realize, Joe Olson, you are, you know, you're exasperated like we are. You know, again, what would you like to add to that? Well, basically, what we've got is a controlled debate, very much like you have in the political arena with the rhinos, Republicans in name only, and the dinos, uh, Democrats in name only, uh, putting up this pantomime about how wonderful their party is and that they're the saviors of humanity, but they never discuss the core issues and you're not allowed to confront them on anything important. So very early on, there was little organized opposition until you had Climate Gate, which happened in uh, November of 2009, where East Anglia was caught. Uh, they published 2,200 of their uh, internal emails showing that how they were rigging the science. 
but there was over 200,000 that were taken. They were placed on a Russian server with an encryption note. And I was hoping for the last 13 years that somebody would open up the encryption and furnish us with all of the evidence of what these people had done. But then starting in January of uh, 2010, you had a movement by certain people who are trained climatologists who never took a course in thermodynamics and do not understand radiation physics. They don't understand geology. They don't understand any of the other or, or astronomy. They don't understand the factors that go into changing Earth's climate that are non-human. So bottom line is they've been uh, programmed with this and they uh, never will debate us. Well, I went to the only debate, to my knowledge, that ever happened between a warmest, who is one that carbon dioxide is the major factor, and it's somebody who says that carbon dioxide is only a little factor. That was Gary North and Richard Lindzen at the Houston Petroleum Club. It was $150 for a ticket and $25 for parking. I went to their noon lunch and Jerry Linston, uh, Jerry North said that he would only agree to a uh, debate under three conditions. Number one, that there was no mention of the uh, climate gate emails because that was stolen material, even though there had been 50 legitimate uh, requests for information filed in England that were all allowed to expire. And after six months, if they don't honor your uh, request for information, it goes away, which is completely absurd. But anyhow, that was conditions. The next one was that you could not use any graphics. Well, if you're not going to use graphics to explain science, you're just basically hand-waving. And then the third requirement, that there would be no recording allowed. And everybody had to turn off their cell phones or turn them in at the front desk. And so bottom line is they completely controlled the debate. They had another one that evening at Rice University. And each of these debates was over two, quote, debates was over two hour logs. And I talked to Lindsay after the debate and I started explaining to him some of the stuff about thermodynamics. And he said, well, you just don't understand anything about climate. And I went, well, you might not understand anything about thermodynamics. And after listening to him, on hundreds, hundreds of tapes and read his articles, uh, he does not understand what we've been trying to explain. And one of the past uh, leaders of Principia Scientific was Dr. Pierre Latour, wrote a great article, Four Known Ways Carbon Dioxide Cools the Atmosphere. He goes through the four uh, physics properties that change the atmosphere, and then he just casually mentions as not one of the four photosynthesis. Well, photosynthesis definitely changes it because if you've got green vegetation, it transpires water vapor. It creates its own cycle. The rain that falls in the Amazon does not come across the Andes where it's completely condensed out. It is internal to the Amazon. It's the rainforest that's releasing the moisture that causes the, the hydrologic cycle inside the Amazon. So everything about this is completely absurd. Uh, and yeah. you get from vegetation and it creates oxygen you know so bottom line is these people are just uh, fundamentally evil and they yeah. will not allow you faith yeah they're evil they're evil and we know we've got to deal with them joe and uh you know, what we'll do is uh we'll, we'll do a deep dive because we're, we're truthers we like the truth and we'll be dealing with it in some more detail after the break this is tnt radio 
TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And and I, if I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong, Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. It sounds pretty good. It sounds real, dude. It's not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, during the break, uh, we were discussing, gents, the idea that uh, we have to keep tying in the policymakers' agenda, the the speeches, the spiel they give out, and uh, the policy doesn't really fit the science. And what we've noted is that... uh, in, in Dubai, COP28, like all the previous 27 conferences, is attended by very rich people, 88,000 attendees, a great many of them flying in it in the private jets, you know, all that so-called carbon footprint building up. Uh, these are very rich people, um, and they're not advocating that they cut out their private jets and they cut back on their fleets of cars. They're advocating that we cut back. And uh the hypocrisy is overwhelming. Joe jo Postma, let, let's kind of link up the policymakers' agendas and what they say to, to the science, if we can. I didn't realize that the number of uh, attendees was eighty-eight thousand people. That is, uh, that's that's an incredible number of people. So that's eighty-eight thousand people working on a policy, right? So you had made the comment before the break, which was excellent, yeah, which was from Dr. Naomi Wolf about science following policy rather than policy following science, right? We have a problem of science following policy. Science is just doing what it's told, and it's being done by these eighty-eight thousand people working on this policy, and they're keeping on working on it despite, as you've pointed out, uh, the host of this last COP uh, conference pointing out that there's actually no science which shows that that CO2 emissions from fossil fuels are actually contributing to any change. And you had made the comment as well, just to touch back on that before continuing, that that the the rise in temperature in the last 100 years has been 
about a degree. And of course, you know, there was the little ice age before that. So no wonder it has warmed up one degree and one degree that's well within the variability that I mean, that's a noise variation. That's that's noise. And with a system like the Earth, which is not in thermal equilibrium, you can have changes of a degree Celsius without uh, without any violation of conservation of it. It's not in thermal equilibrium. Anyway, that's a scientific concept. It's just it's a negligible change. It's negligible. It's well within natural variation. So back yeah. to these 88,000 people working on this policy. What is the policy then? So they're working on the policy. The question is, what is the policy? The policy that they're working on, that they're trying to get through, is interestingly enough to create man-made climate change. Their policy is actually to create an entirely new level of climate change. And we've touched on this in previous shows. This is called solar radiation management, which they want to start engaging in. That means putting up a solar umbrella in space to block out the sun. It means it means spraying uh, stratospheric uh, particulates in the stratosphere to block out the sun, artificial clouds, which a lot of people have noticed they're actually doing. It means also building these uh, technological uh, um, atmospheric factory plants, which artificially extract and remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And it also involves genetically engineering bacteria to naturally that you would release in nature and they would exponentially replicate and suck the CO2 out of the, out of the atmosphere. So we're actually looking at geoengineering. That's what you would call geoengineering. We're actually looking at planetary scale geoengineering because that's what that is. If you're talking about blocking out the sun, which is the, the whole you know, source of life and climate on the planet, and you're talking about removing CO2 on a mass scale, that's planetary scale geoengineering. So in fact, their policy because of climate, what they're calling climate change, which as we know, there's no scientific support for, the policy that they're actually going for is to create a massive level of climate change in geoengineering, in re blotting out the sun and removing carbon dioxide. So, I mean, if you take, if, if you simply extrapolate that, wh where do you go? What, what does blocking out the sun and removing carbon dioxide do to the earth? What's it do to the environment? You can answer that, John or Joe. What, is it, what does it do? I mean, this sounds like science fiction, but this is what is happening. So, John what, and Joe, what happens when you remove CO2 from the They think that it should all be removed. John Kerry has even said we need to get it all out. He says we can't just go to net zero. We need to get all the, all the CO2 out of the atmosphere. And then these other people, and, and then they're saying at these, at these COP conferences, they're saying we need to do this extra outside of government. We need to be able to go ahead with this and not be slowed down by politics. We just need to be able to go ahead with this outside of government regulation, basically. So outside of government regulation, they want to block out the sun and remove CO2. What's going to be the effect of that on Earth, you guys? Yeah, let's throw some numbers in there, Joe. I mean, we, we do like to crunch the numbers. You know, we, we work with the, the data, hard and fast numbers. We, we know that uh, the, the, the Keeling graph, the Keeling curve, is often used as the metric by climate scientists. Anybody knows anything about the Keeling curve? It's based on CO2 emissions from Mauna Loa um, volcano, volcano, an observatory located on an active volcano. Let's be clear about this. And uh, if you look at the actual graph, I think you may have pointed it out, Joe Olson, in the interview with Naomi Wolf. 
even during the lockdown and pandemic lockdown where everything was shut down people weren't going to work there was no there were no flights there were very little uh, emissions uh, the keeling curve is just showing a constant sawtooth graph rising and rising inexorably and um yeah the data is quite clear we, we talk about the idea that it's accepted in climate science that before the industrial revolution atmospheric co2 was about 280 parts per million it rose to 350 parts per million. Uh, today, nobody disagrees. It's, it's just over 400 parts per million. Uh, and people are tearing their hair out saying, oh, this is too much. This is too much. Um, but if you go and look at um, different eras, look at the Holocene optimum, go back uh, five, 6,000 years ago, CO2 levels you know, were well above that. You know, And everything was fine and dandy. You know, Everything is geared, as we said, horticulturalists know that Plants optimize their, their growth when it's over a thousand parts per million. Anything under a thousand parts per million for most um, cultivation is suboptimum. And um, again, if you're talking about yield, you know, farmers love to talk about yield, you know, what's best for the crops. You know, it, it's just common sense to say that uh, if your agriculture is benefiting from higher CO2, and the powers that be are trying to reduce CO2 to net zero. Let's be clear about here about this. Net zero means no CO2. That, in effect, is extinction. Joe Olson, you know, what, what do you say to that, Joe Olson? Well, bottom line is this is a cult that we're dealing with on, on the power level. And they had a previous conference in uh, 2022 in Egypt where they had the same number of people that flew in. And this all started in 1992 with the uh, Rio Earth Summit. And then they decided that they needed their pressure group to be larger, uh, more organized, and uh, meet on a more regular basis. So they've been doing this annually now for uh, 27 years. But bottom line is, it's completely ridiculous. Uh, this is one of the charts that we've uh, had included in our book, Slaying the Sky Dragon. Uh, global temperatures, 2500 BC to 2040 AD. This is produced by climatologist Cliff Harris and meteorologist Randy Mann. And what you have is a cyclic period where, if you can see the orange, is where it's warmer than normal, whatever normal is, and the blue is where it's cooler than normal. And just running through them briefly, you had the Myoan warming period, you had the Grecian cooling period, uh, and then you had the Roman warming period, and then you had the Dark Ages cooling period, then you had the medieval warming period, and then you had the very cold Little Ice Age period, which uh, extended from uh, 14 or 1350 to 1850. Uh, and during the Little Ice Age, the Thames froze six foot thick. They had ice festivals where they built bonfires on the Thames and you could take elephant rides around on the Thames. It hasn't frozen since then, but that warming since then was not caused by human carbon dioxide emissions at all. So basically you have a planet that's in a cycle of heating and cooling and archaeologists have gone in now in Greenland and they've discovered artifacts that were left by the Vikings during the um, Myoan warming period, under under the Roman warming period, and the medieval warming period, that due to variations in metallurgy, uh, architecture, um, the uh, lexicon that they use, their written language, all of those things change over time. And they were able to document that Rome uh, Vikings in Greenland 
built stone dairy barns big enough to hold 50 cows, and then they disappeared for 200 years during the cooling periods. They came back, uh, reoccupied, had different artifacts that they left. All of this is buried under ice today. So how did human uh, SUVs cause an enormous wear, uh, warming between uh, 1300 BC and 700 BC? It's a little bit difficult to explain. Yeah, let, let's have a bit more context because we we know that the root of all this, the hub of all the fraud, climate fraud, the alarmism, is the UN, the United Nations, and, and the interge intergovernmental uh, panel on climate change um, has evolved, has evolved uh, since the 1990s. If we go back to uh, Joe, Joe Possible, we can blame you, you're Canadian. From your country came uh, the great fraudster, the, the millionaire, Morris Strong. <laughs> You know, Canada has a, a lot of th a lot of things to answer. You've you got Justin Trudeau right now, who's again carrying the flag for tyranny. Uh, back then, it was Morris Strong. He he fled Canada uh, on corruption charges and went to China. And China was that became a hub then for um, you know the planning and coordination of the the capture of the UN as a as a conduit for bringing forward this global communism. And it literally is global communism. Anybody who looks into UN Agenda 21, uh, that iteration that went on to become Agenda 2030, um, knows for a fact this is about you will own nothing and you will be happy. And that's an exact quote from Klaus Schwab. Um, these genuinely are the billionaire class. The billionaire class genuinely believe uh, the Malthusian principle that planet is overpopulated. Um, Regardless of what the science says, regardless of human innovation, regardless of the fact that um, famines now are, you know, are just a chapter in history, we don't have mass famine. We have the best health and hygiene we've ever had. We've had a quality of life that ordinary people today enjoy that the very richest people 200 years ago couldn't even dream of. The prosperity is there for all to see. And yet, and yet, these extremists who use the UN as their stick to beat us with, they want us gone from their planet. And uh, Joe, Joe, I'm, I'm, you've probably seen the numbers yourself. They want the population down from around 8 billion to 500,000. Um, and they're doing that with um, all sorts of means and, you know, shenanigans, not, not least at being what Naomi Wolf admitted to, that the pandemic, vaccines, you know, contamination of the food, um, the idea of um, making people infertile. We know about the idea, that we've talked about it on Principia Scientific, that, um, you know, the use of uh, modified engineer, uh, engineering food, to, you know, to take away, you know, the, the nutrients in food. Yeah, Joe, Joe, I mean, everything is linked, isn't it, from nutrition, you know, the idea of uh, being locked down, not going outside, the idea of having the jabs, the idea of being fearful, you know, uh, the Hegelian dialectic, you know, a problem, uh, reaction, solution. Where do we go from here? I mean, we are lucky, you know, the president admitted it. There's no science to back up their 1.5 demand limit on on, on temperature growth. Uh, Joe Posmo, Canada's <laughs> in the frame. Justin Trudeau is carrying Morris Strong's banner. What do you say to that? Yeah, well, uh, the government systems worldwide seem to be taken over by some sort of uh, parasitical overlord enslaver class or something, you know, and we, we know well that these people proudly have their, you know, billion dollar, trillion dollar 
foundations, what is it, the, the Young Global Leaders Foundation, for example, by uh, Carl Schwab. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they basically have the money to put in their people the world over. It's like a, a James Bond film kind of thing, right? They have the money to put in their people uh, in government all over the world. And, uh, you know, most people are just busy working and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And uh, they have take, taken over and they are going ahead with their, their plans. You know, and what I'd like to point out, what I was pointing out earlier, what are, what are their plans? I mean, it, it would be fine. Well, no, I mean, it wouldn't be fine. But I mean, in context, it would be one thing if all they're going for is reducing the human population. But when they're going to, you know, take a greenhouse and, re and take the concept of a greenhouse, a horticulturist greenhouse, and you remove the sunlight and you remove the carbon dioxide from it, what happens to everything inside? You get death. It's mass death. They're going for total planetary extinction. Uh, this sounds so absurd, but that, that's just, it's just an equation. What equals what? What does removing sunlight and carbon dioxide equal? It equals death. It equals planetary scale uh, geoengineering in a way that causes uh, mass and total extinction of, of life. So, I mean, at, at some point it's like, wow, if they were only going for human population, that would be great. But they're actually going for a, a total end of, of life on earth as, as we, as we know it, a total change in life yeah, on th earth. This is not, um, this is not us being cranks. This is something that's validated by respected institutions. Deagle, for example, deagle.com, D-E-A-G-E-L. Um, they're respected internationally as analysts in this, and they predict a population decline of 80%. Now, why would they be doing that? Where do they get that number from? Why would they, a bona fide respected institution that uh, has been cr number crunching the data for years, why would they predict that human population is about to fall by 80%? It's an interesting question. We'll address that in a short while. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack. And it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I want them to see me working through things. 
allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're going to figure it out together. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, just before the break, um, we tried to validate our claims that uh, there really is an agenda out to depopulate, and it's in force. It's, it's in play now. We're seeing the the um, fallout from that. Anybody who follows the data knows the the rising issue is uh, sudden adult death. SAD, sudden adult death. You, you may, if you watch any sports broadcast, you may be seeing these elite athletes collapsing on the field of play, dropping dead. You know, well, nothing to see here. Look over there. Nobody's prepared to have any kind of inquisitiveness about the reasons why. Um, we have an idea. We know why. And uh, I mentioned Deagle. Um, Deagle Corporation, that's a corporation. It's a minor branch of the U.S. military. If you've not heard of it, I urge you to check it out. D-E-A-G-E-L, Deagle Corporation. Um, they're collecting data for the great and the good, you know, high-level decision makers, those who attended the COP28 uh, debacle. Um, the UN, you know, the National Security Agency, the World Bank, they all talk to Deagle and they use Deagle as their source. And um, Deagle has all the data, US military data. Um, what do they tell us? Well, they tell us for a start that uh, in the years to come, Japan is going to lose. And they're predicting this is it. This is it. Check it for yourself. This is a, a, a forecast. Deagle predict Japan will lose one fifth of its population. Australia is going to lose a full third of its population. Canada is going to lose a quarter of its population. And the US, staggeringly, will lose almost three quarters of its population. That's Deagle, US military corporation. And um, they're they attribute to the losses 2 to 10% to civil war, 25% or more to genocide. Um, a world war is actually in the cut on the cards as well. Again, military organization, they're predicting six to nine percent of the population would die during a world war. Um, again, this is dystopian nightmare, gentlemen, and people don't seem to grasp that these are psychopaths. People don't probably don't grasp that Bill Gates, billionaire Bill Gates, the man who set up Microsoft, um, called out many times for uh, monopolizing the, you know, the internet, trying to you know, be a tyrant, in effect. Um, he's put in $50 billion into the UN. And uh, his program, obviously, is to do more to do, um, you know, with controlling health and vaccines. But again, these people use every tool at their disposal. And uh, Joe Olson, you know, like me, you, you see Bill Gates as a force for evil. Um, do you want to comment on that? Uh, yeah, Google's uh, used to be do no evil. Now it's like, do nothing but evil. Yeah. yeah, we're dealing with low maniacs that have had this uh, fantasy for thousands of years, and they've been able to silently monopolize all of the important uh, power vectors of society, which would be banking and government and media. And so with that power base, they're able to manipulate people, and they have complete control now of very highly technical uh, methods of destruction. And I would call it the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is pestilence, and that includes uh, 5G radiation and uh, chemical toxins, uh, famine, which they can definitely control the food supply, disease, which we have an article today at Principia Scientific. Uh, all COVID variants are man-made, Japanese authorities say. 
Yeah, because they were all man-made. And they also have war, which is their other threat vector. Uh, they don't like war because it's uh, hard, uh, easier for the victims to identify, number one. Number two, over time, people realize how they were stage set into absolutely every conflict for the last at least 500 years by this same group of um, self-interested power brokers who have control of all of the systems. And so what they decided is that the UN is a perfect cover because everybody respects the UN because we've been telling you that they were going to prevent war since the end of World War II. They were they were just this uh, benevolent organization. And now the UN is demanding that they have the ability to issue IDs and that they have the ability to control all information on the Internet because they want to have total control of the information stream so that people don't realize that they're being star uh, starved and poisoned by a group of psychopaths. And that's exactly what we're dealing with. Well, and that's yeah. what these chat GPT things are doing, aren't they? They're, they're a curated information source. And I've, you know, I made myself an account on chat GPT and I went through the climate change debate and I asked it some, some basic questions, very easy to get it to contradict itself on the issue of how the greenhouse effect works. It's supposed to be heat flowing from the atmosphere uh, back to the warmer surface, you know, as we were talking about earlier. It's easy to get it to contradict itself. And, and then you ask it, why did you contradict yourself? And it just says, well, I'm not able to do everything. And then I asked it, you know, are, aren't you able to correct yourself? Uh, can you correct yourself in real time? And it just says, no, I'm, I'm trained to provide uh, these, these answers. And so uh, that's what they want to go to. I, I mean, it's really sophisticated. Yeah, it's amazing. You can talk to a computer program now and it, you know, can basically pass the Turing test unless you are in the Turing test being, you know, this test, you know, can you tell whether or not you're talking to a, a computer or a real human. For most discussions, yeah, you'd think that you were talking to a real human. If you get to actual technical scientific details, I mean, you have to know what to ask. Obviously, most people wouldn't, you know, but if uh, if you do, then you can see that it contradicts itself and it doesn't actually know what it's talking about. It, it's not conscious. It's not art. It's not intelligent at all. It's simulated. It's just simulated intel intelligence. It, it, it can put together words that you know, make valid sentences, but uh, it doesn't know what it's doing. It's not actually conscious. Anyway, mm -hmm. what they what they want to do is use these systems to produce a cure to produce a curated knowledge base, uh, which will basically set the Overton window of of what you're allowed to talk about and what you're allowed allowed to think. Mm -hmm. Exactly that, and the, the idea of using fact checkers as well, and uh, the idea that uh, again, we saw an article uh, earlier this week uh, that's going to be posted on Principia Scientific that. Uh, was kind of saying that the concept of do your own research um, is the pathway to insanity and uh, conspiracy theories. And uh, again, we've been saying for 13 years, gentlemen, that uh, you have to do your own research. Don't trust the media. Uh, and one of the things we argue is that uh, it's all a plausible deniability because, again, governments can blame their scientific advisors when things don't pan out very well. We saw it in the UK during the, at the start of the pandemic when um, Imperial College professor uh, Professor Neil Ferguson uh, made an outrageous claim, a very shocking scare tactic. He, he predicted a million deaths in the UK from COVID-19. And uh, that was used as, as the pretext to whip up a lot of fear on, on the vaccination program. And it was very successful. Uh, this guy, Neil, Neil Ferguson, he, he's been in the, uh, a science advisor for the government for well over 10 years now. And every prediction he's made has been very alarmist. 
and always premised on GIGO, garbage in, garbage out computer modeling. We see it with uh, climate change, uh, as you say, Joe Posner, the, the idea that computer modeling uh, by climate scientists is based on a flat earth theory. The idea that, that they seem incapable or reluctant to model the earth as a 3D sphere rotating with only half the planet in daylight and the other half in, in night. Um, again, they, they use it, they cherry pick and they, they kind of dovetail their science to fit the agenda. And uh, we're not going to get away from that. And chat GTP, like any other form of artificial intelligence, appears to be yet another excuse where policymakers can say, keep it all at arm's length and maintain that plausible deniability. You know, the old saying is um, lessons will be learned. They will all die. But um, yeah, the great and the good, they will learn their lessons and they won't be accountable, will they? No, they, no. Yeah, they won't be. We've had sure. leaders that out uh, this power structure and how evil they are. Here's a quote. The banking powers are more despotic than a monarch, more insolvent than an autocracy, more selfish than a bureaucracy. Abraham Lincoln, 1863. Wilson made similar comments about there's a group that's so powerful you're not even allowed to mention their names. And he's the one that was forced into uh, uh, signing the income tax and the Federal Reserve Act, and then the Espionage Act, and then get us into World War I. And World War I created all the conditions for World War II by rearranging the boundaries in, in Europe and making sure that all of the adjoining former countries had grievances against all of their neighbors. And then the last time that the United States declared war was in 1943, when we declared war against Austria, Hungary, and Romania, who had been trapped between Germany on one side and Russia on the other. And they knew that the Russians had exterminated 30,000 Ukrainian Christians during the Holodomor in the 1930s. And they had no choice. They had no land access. They were, they were basically captives between two forces. So they joined Hitler in order to be able to fight what they knew was the obvious evil of communism. But now communism has spread completely into our society, and that's basically what these people are. Well, we've said before that um, there's a connection between um, past events. We talked about on Principia Scientific, Joe, Joe Olson, you, you were very much interested in a deep dive into the Spanish flu epidemic and the correlation with the masking idea, the concept of masking up. Back then, people may not know it, but... Um, Again, the, the the finger was pointed quite clearly that the severity of the Spanish flu epidemic was more to do with wearing masks and bacterial uh, infection. And somebody who wrote on that extensively wrote a very well-regarded paper with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, that might have been 10, 15 years ago. But again, when the pandemic kicked off, Fauci was right there advocating everybody masked up. The, these truly are people who have got no regard for science, no regard for the fact. And uh, again, they're making a lot of money, great wealth, out of giving policymakers the, the junk science they need to persuade ordinary people to, to toe the line. And people do, don't they? We've said before, only about 13% of the population have critical reasoning skills. Over half the population are very compliant. They're very agreeable. They trust authority figures. Um, but we keep saying you need to find new authority figures. You need to reassess who you can really trust. And uh, 
this is why TNT, T, TNT Radio is having such traction now, because uh, we're, we're bringing on people, a lot of whom have been deplatformed. As we know, we've been shadow banned. We've been deplatformed. Um, and as you say, gentlemen, especially Joe Posma, you, you tried to get um, more than one paper published in a peer, peer reviewed journal. And you were quite clearly advocating that the key driver of, of the of climate on Earth was the sun, and you were ridiculed. You were you had your paper tossed out because that that's an extraordinary claim to make, Joe Posner. The sun drives the climate. How, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, it was that was that really is what triggered the whole chain of events, which led to my uh, you know basically being fired and not allowed to work in in science anymore. Even though I was a totally mainstream scientist, I worked for the Canadian Space Agency in collaboration with the Indian Space Research Organization on space telescopes. Uh, you know, I have numerous papers doing uh, astrophysics, solving astrophysics problems which have never been solved before. In fact, mathematical algorithms which have never been solved before. Long-standing problems in astrophysics. I solved those myself, and. Uh, yeah, that point that you made about, you know, the flat earth theory. So they do they do, do spherical modeling and they're really advanced models. The point is the pedagogy. Where does the greenhouse effect idea come from in the first place? So it's this greenhouse effect idea that comes from the flat earth pedagogy, which means teaching the basic features of the climate in the classroom, right? So that's where they, they start with that. And then they take that idea. They say, oh, there must be a greenhouse effect. They take that and then they put that in the spherical models. So they do spherical modeling, but they insert this concept from flat earth theory, which is basically from their, from their pedagogy, from, from, from how they teach how the basic climate works in the classroom. And yeah, so I submitted a, a paper uh, as I said, I've, I've written numerous papers in astrophysics. So this is just a simple paper saying, look, you know, for, for teaching how the basic climate works, for doing basic physics on the climate that you teach uh, to second year, third year university students, instead of using a flat plane, let's use a sphere. Let's draw a circle representing a sphere instead of a, a line, which can only represent a flat plane. Let's do it as a sphere and you get a different result. You get this result that, oh, wow, you actually can mathematically show that the sun is as hot as you feel when you go outside in the summertime. And with that mathematical result, especially around the equator, the sun is really hot. You can see that, yeah, wow, the sun has the power and has the strength to create the climate. That's an important basic feature to understand about the climate, don't you think? Like if you're teaching mm -hmm. the basic features of the climate to students in second year, third year university, that'd be a really basic thing to to teach and show how the math for that works. Look, here's the math on a sphere with the sun falling on a sphere, the sunlight's falling on the sphere of the earth, and it shows that the sun creates the climate, as opposed to their approach of using this flat line for the earth. And when you do that, the math just works out that the sun can't create the climate. The sun gets too cold. It's, it's just a geometrical problem. It works out in the math. People can probably understand if you get the math wrong. Right, if you get the shape of the Earth wrong, even though you think you're making an average, but it, it's just not meaningful, is it? Anyway, it turns out that with that approach, you get to the conclusion that the sun can't create the climate. So this is a pretty different, a pretty important, and it should be an obvious difference. Use a sphere; the math shows that the sun can create the climate. Use a flat line; the math shows that the sun can't create the climate. That's a pretty basic, simple difference, isn't it? Isn't it? Anyone can understand that. So I wrote a paper and I showed the math and I just said, look, this is how it works out. 
And I submitted it to 14 different journals. And you should read in my book, Planet Wars, where I copy the peer review comments on my paper and the reasons for rejecting the paper. And they're absurd. They're the most absurd things that you could imagine coming from science. They're literally saying, they, they literally tell me, you have no evidence that it would make a difference. And it's like, well, the, the difference is that the sun is hot versus the sun is cold. And I, I show that mathematically. And they're just like, that needs to be vetted by experts. And it's like, well, I'm the expert and I'm writing the paper on it. And you're supposed to be the peer review expert. You mean, you're, you're trying to tell me you can't vet whether or not there's a difference between a sphere and a flat plane for the earth these are basic things and it was just like comment like that over and over and over again the most absurd things basically saying that they prefer flat earth theory in pedagogy as opposed to using a spherical earth i've almost been in a state of catatonia since then just trying to process and understand how am i finding scientists that tell me that they hate me for saying that you can do a sphere model for basic pedagogy and understand the climate rather than a flat line. It's a very strange world I live in now. Yeah, we live in a strange world, um, but we're doing our best to dig out the truth. Uh, join us after the break. This is TNT Radio. <laughs> 